Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. You and Spence here on another All About Windows Phone Insight podcast. It has been a very, very busy week in the world of Windows Phone. Most of it, of course, coming out of the delightful CES in the slightly less delightful city of Las Vegas. And to go through all the news and a bundle of other things as well, the rest of the All About Windows Phone team are here First up, the man who is behind everything, keeping us right and reminding me that some stories I'd like to write about, he wrote about in December, Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. It's very interesting, Rafe. There's, because at lots of CES, there's been a whole bunch of rumours springing up around it, and some stories have popped up that have been confirmed. I mean, there's, there's been very little that's actually new, but a lot of it is now official. Uh, that's probably a fair, fair thing to say. I mean, always these days with the big events, we have a pretty good idea what's coming. I mean, I think I can probably count the number of really big surprises um, in the last few years or on one hand. It's just we get the extra details and we get the confirmation. Um, and, of course, most people don't necessarily follow the rumours that closely and quite a lot of the time the rumours are wrong or incomplete. And so, I mean, I see it more as, as confirmation and for most people it is news. And so you might be jaded and cynical about it having heard it all before, but for most people it's really brand new and quite exciting. Hence, I think, quite a big media buzz out of CS about Windows Phone this year. Indeed. Uh, we also have a David Gilson up in Hull, whose last week's article on I'm finally starting to accept Windows Phone has provided a lot of lively comment back on the website. Welcome to the show, David. Hello, Ewan. Yes, um, because, um, yes, I do have difficulties using Microsoft software sometimes, but um, <laughs> to get the holistic experience, I did get hold of um, a copy of uh, Microsoft Office, which I am now using, and I'm actually finding quite a pleasant and helpful experience because um, it's been about 10 years since I used Microsoft Word and I have to say the grammar checker has improved a lot so it's freeing up my brain to come up with more um, glorious prose. Yeah, as they would say that little sting in the back of your neck David that's pride just just get through that that's okay and <laughs> also uh, on the show we have Steve Litchfield. Steve of course being our resident camera expert who on when being asked on Twitter whether I could review high-end camera units I've never seen a Twitter splutter so spectacular, Steve. I can't remember my exact words, but I think general disbelief was just about sums it up. Cameras, of course, are one of the uh, battle drives at CES. And let's, let's quickly, Steve, 16 megapixel camera. It's not just that number 16 that's important, is it? Well, yes and no. Although the megapixel must be something that I've gone on about for ages, i.e. the number of megapixels isn't what counts when it comes to good photos. But in this case, in HTC's defense, and I don't often leap to HTC's defense, so make the most of it, um, looking at the side profile shots that you and Rafe posted of the um, the new HTC device, a Titan 2, um, that, that bulge at the back, that camera bulge, it's not just a little tiny bump, it's a whacking great uh, two or three millimeters extra N8-like. I just wonder whether HTC have really gone to town and produced a sensor inside that's comparable to the N8. The test photos we've been seeing coming out of the Titan 2 have been pretty spectacular, really. I would class them as N8-like. Of course, there's no zen and flash, so it will go to, to go to, to potty in um, <laughs> evening and low-light situations. But certainly when the light's good, that Titan 2 produces remarkable photos, and I can't wait to review it properly. Indeed. We'll touch on the Titan 2 and the other news from CES in a moment. But first up, some news around the rest of the Windows Phone ecosystem. And Rafe, just as CES came upon us, we had a little bump up through the numbers of the application count. I want to touch on this briefly because we're not going to mention it every time we come to a round number. But 55,000 
uh, applications submitted to the marketplace now and, and a general acceleration in submissions and publication. Yes, I mean, the reason we mentioned this was not really the number itself at all, because as you say, there's going to be plenty more milestones. And uh, I thought twice about posting this news, but it did catch my eye because actually the significant number for me was at least there were now 2,500 published apps in a seven-day period. That's the first time that's happened in the history of the marketplace. And obviously at the same time, that's going to 55 Okay, apps, and it's done that in a little over two weeks, which you know really is quite impressive in terms of the acceleration. We're now up to about 340 or so uh, applications being added a day. That's based on a kind of a four-week average. Um, if you do it just on a, a weekly average, obviously it's nearer 360. But that's up again from uh, when we talked about it at the 50,000 app mark. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens going forward from here. There, there may be a few bumps because I suspect the last few weeks might have been an outlier. But um, we'll report back in a, a few weeks or maybe when we get to a, a more significant milestone. Yeah, lots of people maybe enjoying the Christmas period and just having a little play around and pushing stuff through. Could well be an explanation for that. And of course, statistics are statistics and we can make them say whatever we want. Uh, we just want them to make a little smiley face no matter what they do. Uh, also, briefly, we have the top games coming out of um, Xbox Live um, for 2011. Rafe, where do we get these numbers from again? These, this is from our collections or from just from the UK? These Xbox Live numbers actually come from uh, Major Nelson's blog, who's kind of one of the big... Um, Microsoft evangelist, I guess, for all things Xbox. And they're actually based on unique users. And that's uh, people connecting to the Xbox Live kind of uh, back end, if you like. And some of the Xbox Live games do that more than others. So uh, it's only one measure of, of these sort of things in terms of how popular they are. It's not in terms of download numbers. It's kind of an expression of um, people connecting an added dimension, which in some ways I think is probably better than uh, just downloads because it gives you a, a maybe a more accurate reflection of what games are actively being used. Uh, so yeah, that's no where su- these particular numbers come from. Yep, yeah, no surprises. Uh, we've got Angry Birds at number one, Fruit Ninja at number two, Plants vs. Zombies at three, Need for Speed Undercover at four, and Full House Poker at number five. Uh, little heads up also, staying on the Xbox Live Arcade. Titles coming out in February. Um, there's another Need for Speed coming out, Hot Pursuit. Uh, we also have Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Conviction coming out, run around, shoot em up, stealthy thing. Uh, Toy Soldiers Boot Camp, Bullet Asylum, and Chickens Can't Fly will round out the February numbers as well. Uh, not the only news coming out on the gaming front as well. We'll now bleed seamlessly into CES because Nokia decided to flank up some uh, game involvement as well. Right? Uh, yeah, that's right. This was actually first announced at Nokia World, but we got a few more details at CES, or rather there were some traders being shown off and there was some stuff on the stand. And this is the news that Nokia and EA are working in partnership to bring some games to the windows phone platform there's going to be 27 altogether 10 from the kind of ea label 10 from chilingo which is their indie label and seven from hasbro which is a a license agreement for the likes of game of life trivial pursuit and so on Um, these are going to be exclusive to nokia but the actual details of the exclusivity haven't uh, come out yet i suspect this is going to be a case that they'll be available for you know, a couple of months on Windows phone devices and then available uh, more generally after that. But for a, a company, EA, who hasn't really shown much interest in developing Windows phone games, this is kind of uh, good news for the Microsoft and for the platform because it's going to bring in, uh, you know, uh, some really big titles. It's things like uh, Need for Speed, I think, is actually one of them, but also the EA sports titles like Madden 11 and FIFA 12. 
uh, and there's some of the Chilingo ones are some of the more popular indie games that have been on the um, iPhone and Android platform as well. Uh, so I think gamers should be well served going into the uh, latter part of uh, 2012, which is when we expect most of these titles to emerge. We go now. Speaking of CES, of course, something like twenty thousand different products uh, on show uh, at the Las Vegas Convention Center, taking up both the North and South halls. I think I read somewhere that if you wanted to walk down every aisle uh, to see every single stand, you'd be walking over fifteen point six miles every single day of the event. Uh, a scale um, which is literally off the peg. Uh, it looks like a cheap suit. Uh, but there we go. Um, before we do the big names, there uh, obviously HTC already mentioned and Nokia is. As well, two other Windows handsets uh, popped up. The uh, little Acer Aspire uh, was lurking around the stand, as was uh, the ZTE Tanya too. Uh, going for the mid and low range of the markets, we'll probably see those being hawked around the networks rather than the customers uh, and see them there. But that's an important area to keep an eye on. Uh, and certainly the, the, the ZTE Tanya with the 4.3 screens was getting a nice uh, nod from a couple of the websites. Um, Let's do the keynote. CES, uh, Microsoft keynoted pretty much all of them who said that this would be their last one. David, I don't think you stayed up. I think you caught, caught it on whatever the iPlayer equivalent at CES was. Any big news for Windows Phone uh, from Steve Bauer? No, there wasn't. It was uh, actually, I mean, if you watched what was said at CES, it was, it was pretty much a rehash of everything that was said at Nokia World. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was just like the... Uh, Windows Phone 7 going on tour. The main thing about the Microsoft keynote was that it is actually, as you said, it's going to be their last at CES. And I think really, um, I mean, some people have, I think maybe disingenuously said, oh, well, they're trying to be more like Apple. I think the thing is, is that a lot of companies, including Microsoft, who are actually making full operating systems, can't really fit into a yearly release cycle. Um, Riff, I understand you did stay up all night, so um, was, is there anything I've missed? Uh, with regards to Windows 8, is they talked a lot about Metro, and that's the UI, or the experience that comes with it. And we won't go into a great deal of detail here, but just to say that the Metro UI that we have on Windows Phone will effectively be coming in, a, in the style of, at least to Windows 8, in part, there's basically going to be uh, a part of Windows 8 that... Uh, works just like Metro and has similar Metro applications, you will still have the old windows underneath it. I mean, some have described it as kind of a Metro layer over the top that you can then optionally go into old windows. Um, but I think that's really, really significant because whatever people say about windows and whatever our more skeptical members of the podcast, yes, I'm talking about you, David, you know, windows is, you know, uh, a product that is on millions of computers. You know, it really is dominant in the desktop space. Uh, it has a reach in computing that I think is pretty much unparalleled anywhere else, you know, um, in terms of the number of people using it and the familiarity with it. And it may not be uh, universally loved by some, but I think everyone's familiar with it. And I don't think you can underestimate the importance of a closer link in visual terms between the phone and the desktop. So I think for you know Microsoft, and a lot of good things have been said about Windows 8 based on the sort of beta versions or the uh, preview versions that came out at Build. And there's uh, some really interesting technology coming in and there's talk about how that will time with the next version of Windows Phone, which is also due later this year. But I think what we'll see is a much closer visual connection, as well as uh, quite possibly some closer technology or underlying um, systems connections between the two. 
and that can only be a positive thing for Windows Phone. But yes, in terms of absolute news, there, there wasn't a lot new. We had Derek Slider, who's one of the regular Windows Phone demo guys, do a good job of going through the demos that we're all familiar with in terms of People Hub and Local Scout and some of the voice features. Uh, but I think Microsoft probably wanted the attention to be on their handset partners at CES, which we'll uh, talk about in a minute. And we may hear some more from Microsoft later in the year in terms of platform updates and that kind of thing. So certainly uh, some new. We also have to point out that MWC is coming up as well. So maybe Microsoft are holding back a little bit of news. Uh, just one point to uh, stress on the whole idea of the Metro UI. Um, long-term listeners will know um, I'm a big fan of the Zune HD, which also runs Metro, but in a slightly different style. Even though it's Metro, you can tell that it's a different type of device because it's slightly different. Same with the Xbox implementation. So, so Windows 8 running Metro doesn't mean it will look exactly like Windows Phone. It's going to be like looking at twins you know there are some differences one of them is Danny DeVito one of them is Arnold Schwarzenegger they're obviously both cut from the same cloth debate of course that will go on and on how much does the uh, look of Microsoft and the feel in the minds of the users from the desktop translate onto the handsets and that's probably going to be one of the key challenges to look at during 2012 but of course uh, during 2012 they are going to have new hardware to show off and uh, CES had two of what we're arguably going to be finding out to be the flagship uh, on AT&T Steve We've already started talking about the HTC Titan 2. Let's carry on with this one. It's it's not long since we've seen the Titan 1. Uh, <laughs> so 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 Titan 2 with, within a couple of weeks. I mean, that not that shortchanging people who've went out and bought this 4.7-inch monster already? Yes, yes. Um, now, the, the thing here, though, Ewan, it's not just a matter of replacing the Titan 1, because there's actually very little difference apart from the camera. What we're talking about here is the support for LTE. Um, which means you get super fast data. I mean, are you, data that's quoted as faster speeds than your home broadband. Of course, that depends how fast your home broadband is, but faster is obviously better. Um, so this is a LTE support. All other specs remain more or less the same, um, apart from the camera, which is um, 16 megapixels, f2.2, backside illuminated sensor, and as I was saying, pretty impressive in terms of examples. And the whole device itself doesn't really go with the the thin is in i mean it's 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 has got a curved back a bit like some of the samsung devices so like a bit of a chin at the bottom so it fits nicely in your hand they haven't gone for all out thinness like a six millimeter phone they've gone for something which is as thick as it needs to be especially with that camera so uh, um yeah lte and camera otherwise if you've got a titan one uh, just stick with the titan one really uh rafe it's interesting at least in my mind uh, that htc gets to call themselves the first LTE Windows Phone, even if it's by a matter of hours. Yeah, so you did an editorial on this, and it was AT and T sort of maybe playing a bit of politics. Although I think you know these things are probably fairly carefully worked out, and so I'm sure AT and T um, are quite happy to have sort of two flagship Windows Phone LTE handsets because, to a certain extent, they can play them off against each other. Um, and operators we know in the US are very strong. It's, it's worth noting there are also, I think, four other LTE handsets announced by AT&T. They're all the Android ones um, from Samsung, Sony Ericsson, and, and Pantech, I believe. Um, interestingly, the Windows Phone ones did seem to get a bit more you know, time and space when they were announcing them. AT&T had uh, Peter Chu uh, from HTC up on stage, which actually says something about HTC's ambitions with Windows Phone recently. And then we, of course, had uh, Stephen Elop on stage as well. And that was uh, sort of reversed later on at the, the Nokia press conference. But yes, I do think it is significant that AT&T have this handset. And uh, yes, I mean, it is very similar. 
to the the Titan One, if you like, um, but it is for a, a US operator. And in one sense, I'd call it a variant handset. But they've taken the opportunity to put LTE and upgrade the camera. And there are some other differences as well. The battery capacity is uh, significantly bigger, but that's probably going to be necessary for the LTE radio, which, in very general terms, are more power intensive than uh, WCDMA radios although that's uh, getting better as the technology improves. Yes, worth noting that the uh, when the radar and the original Titan were announced, and David can back me up on this, I had the Titan first, and I thought, wow, this is a sea change. It's a step change from HTC in terms of hardware quality and camera and speaker and microphone and screen. Everything just screamed higher end. I thought, wow, HTC have come good. And then the radar just wasn't quite up to the same standard. But uh, the very fact that they've used the Titan name again, it kind of implies that they've used the same quality components. So I'm expecting, yes, better and better and better. This is a stonking device. I mean, it, for, for me, I just wonder if the, the only slip-up is calling it the Titan 2. If they'd called it the Titan L or or the XL, uh, to, just to show the uh, size and the LTE benefits, perhaps they, they might have sidestepped what's possibly a little niggly argument. But, you know, there's, there's so much media presence going, oh, I've got Titan 1 and there's a Titan 2. Oh, I must be rubbish. Um, which is always a problem when you have a, a naming uh, convention based around numbers. Uh, I think the problem for HTC may be the presence of the handset we're just about to talk about, uh, because the the Titan Two, for you know, despite being what appears to be an outstanding handset, I mean, with the caveats, we haven't had our hands on it yet. Um, it didn't really get the attention it deserved in some ways because of uh, what Nokia announced. And we'll talk about that next. But I think this is going to be an interesting problem for some of the other handset manufacturers on Windows Phone. And given that Nokia is uh, sort of dedicated to the platform, you know, it's not doing Android handsets or its own platform in high-end smartphones, you know, how do they stand up against that? Uh, because Microsoft is naturally going to give them a bit more attention. Arguably, they're the bigger company as well. Uh, you know, they're the ones with the history in smartphones. And so it's, you know, are they going to take all the oxygen in the media space from, from Windows Phone? You know, how do you stand out against them, especially when, you know, they're producing uh, handsets like the, the, the Nokia 900? And we probably should make the comparison between the uh, Titan 2 and the Lumia 900, but we'll do that, I think, after talking about the Lumia 900. Before we do that, I just wanted to jump in. One thing that's common to all of these handsets, though, guys, is that Windows Phone is still limited and not being able to support expansion cards. Now, this is the old fogey in me, but I look at the specifications for something like the Titan 2. I said 16 gigabyte mass memory, about 12 and a half gigabyte available to user, and no expansion. Now, these are large screen devices. You think, okay, well, I... I want to consume lots of media on them, but there's nowhere to put the media. But the very fact that you've got LTE, I kind of kind of obviates that because uh, if you've got data that that fast, and uh, presumably the LTE will be basically available fairly wide spread in the people who buy its home market, then you can basically stream all the video and music you want from any number of services without actually having to store it all locally. So, so maybe the fact they've got fast data actually means that uh, having such limited capacity isn't a problem. I think this is comes down to the sort of Windows Phone ethos that it is an always connected handset, uh, and for people coming from feature phones or possibly from from Symbian uh, and the, the WebOS and, and even Windows Mobile, you know, Windows Phone expects to be always connected. So that's you know the local storage isn't everything that you must have at your fingertips all the time. It's you know just enough to get you through an airline flight or or for caching reasons or, or to to make sure that your pictures are taken before they get uploaded to SkyDrive. And and this comes down to Microsoft's entire policy, I think, that we're going to be seeing in 2012 of 
becoming cloud. You know, your sync relationship is not to your desktop. Your sync relationship with Windows Phone is to the cloud, or at least that's what they want it to be. It's just a quite a few pain points coming through, and you know, there's also the fact that other handsets in the markets do have expansion ports. They do go up to 32. It's like how. How do you get a different message over? And all of that is one of the big challenges um, that we're going to be continuing to talk about here on All About Windows Phone um, as the marketing uh, and the consumer reaction to all the Windows Phone handsets we're seeing here and coming up in the future are going to come through. Okay, elephant in the room time, as they say in QI, and let's swing over to the Nokia Lumia 900. And it's, it's like the 800, but as with everything that goes to America, it it eats a little bit more. It has a little bit more battery power. It needs a little, little bit more screen size. It's slightly bigger in every single dimension, but it's actually punching far, far above that weight. This is the heavyweight Windows phone full stop, isn't it, Rafe? Uh, yes, that's right, Ewan. This was the big phone of the show, I think, in many ways, judging by some of the media coverage and the uh, social network messages. Or maybe that's a reflection of Nokia and Microsoft doing a good job in getting the message out and positioning right and text writers needing a, a story about Nokia's comeback that sort of writes itself. But anyway, uh, Nokia Lumia 900. Big differences from the Lumia 800? Well, at first glance, there aren't very many. It is the same kind of uh, polycarbonate uh, body design. However, there are some things we should point out. Ewan was suggesting there that it was uh, going large, and that's probably a good way to think about it. Uh, it's up in terms of size, in terms of the uh, width and the height of the phone. It's actually slightly thinner, but uh, really this is going to feel like a much bigger phone in your hand. That's because we've gone from a 3.7-inch screen up to 4.3 inches. The other big change, I think, is the inclusion of the LTE connectivity. That means you can uh, download at 50 megabits per second and upload about 25 megabits per second. That's in theory. In practice, you probably won't get anywhere near that in the uh, real world. Uh, but there are a couple of other smaller updates that I think uh, some people may have missed and are worth mentioning. First is the front-facing camera. That got talked a lot about the absence of that on the Lumia 800. That will enable that uh, video conferencing on this device. I suspect we'll probably hear more about that once there's some software available that actually allows you to do the video conferencing. At the moment, you'll be uh, limited to some of the third-party options, such as Tango, available in the marketplace. But I think we may well see some more announcements before this actually uh, goes out to the public. The other one is the inclusion of the gyroscope in the sensors. So this just adds an extra sensitivity to the motion APIs that developers use to sort of which way is the handset facing or uh, which way have you tilted it, things like that. Uh, so that's another good inclusion that um, Nokia missed out on on the first time. It's going to be available in black and cyan and it's exclusive for the time being to AT&T. Uh, the one difference on the design, which isn't immediately obvious in the pictures, is that the uh, screen glass itself is flat, and that's kind of reflecting its bigger size. It doesn't have the same slightly curved edges as on the Lumia 800 and indeed on the Nokia N9. And Steve is pointing out in the back channel, quite rightly, it's a bigger battery. Again, that's for LTE, and I think the capacity is 1,830 milliamp hours. I'm just going to hand over to Steve to talk a little bit about the camera module. It's the uh, same Carl Zeiss one as in the Lumia 800. What does that actually mean, Steve? Well, Carl Zeiss, they make optics based in Germany, and it basically means you've got higher quality glass optics rather than some cheap plastic rubbish without wishing to denigrate the other cameras and other manufacturers, who I'm sure are all doing their best. But Carl Zeiss are one of the top 
makers of uh, camera optics in the world. And Nokia have had a partnership with them now for some five or six years, so it's good to see. The, the, the camera in the Lumia 800, it's fair to say, wasn't, wasn't super special and didn't really live up to everyone's expectations. And I think this device has exactly the same unit, but I think it's also fair to say um, that the camera software on the 800 certainly wasn't finished. And, and I'm, people are saying that the 900 will produce better photos. I'm assuming most of that is in the, the, the camera processing of the, the raw images coming out of the camera. So the 800 will get better camera in its few upcoming firmware upgrade. And of course, the 900 will have that at launch. And again, I'm looking forward to testing that. Yeah, and just one more comment on the battery, guys. I mean, 18, 30 milliamp hours, most of the top-end smartphones now are getting larger batteries. And that's great to see. We've been arguing for that for years, especially when some of these devices are now coming with integral batteries. Or you can't swap a new battery in, which means that uh, you've got to have some margin of error. Not only has it got to last a decent length of time with a single charge, you've got to have enough capacity to start off with so that in six months or nine months' time when the, you know, the battery is starting to get somewhat fatigued and it's starting to lose its charge, you've still got fifteen or 1,600 milliamp hours to play with. So, yes, I, I certainly welcome this, especially in a body which is one millimetre thinner. So I don't know how they've done that, but uh, obviously a flatter battery, but very impressive. Um, David, you had a comment on this uh, Lumi 900. Yes, um, I was kind of disappointed to hear Rev saying that there isn't the curved glass. I mean, I can understand why with it maybe not fitting with, with the size of that. I think that those curved edges did kind of add to the friendliness of the devices when you're swiping from side to side as well. Um, the, the other thing I was, I was thinking of is that I think the, I mean, just going from American podcasts and blogs is that I think there was a certain amount of curiosity and so a uh, subdued peaked interest about the 800, but it's, it's the stereotypical thing about the USA, which does seem to be true, that everything has to be supersized and big. And I, mean, I think some people in America would even like have trouble, unless it's an iPhone, classing anything below four inches as a smartphone these days. So I think Nokia had to do the 900 and basically have an, it's basically an XL version of the, of the 800. So I, so I think it's kind of interesting to see that that stereotype is holding true with, with the reception that the 900 has had. And we just say thank you for David for offending all our US audience by saying we like everything <laughs> large. Uh, but there is a point to this that it does seem that the standard for the smartphones in the US do tend to be the, the larger screens. That said, I think there's a lot of people in the rest of the world that would be interested in having a Windows phone device with a larger screen. One of the most common questions I've had by email and in the comment thread in the last few days is, do we think this device is going to be available elsewhere? Well, I don't necessarily think it'll be this exact device, but I'm almost certain that Nokia is going to be making some announcements at MWC, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a kind of a global equivalent of this, i.e. with the, the bigger screen and maybe some of the other hardware upgrades we were talking about. Uh, Ewan, would you agree with that? I would, yes, but it's also interesting that this, you know, when people ask, oh, what's Stephen Elop done for Nokia? Insert Monty Python sketch from the life of Brian here. Um, he's given us differentiation between countries. You know, previously when we, when Nokia went to countries and, and networks, America, they went, here's a handset, put it on yours. Here they've went, it's almost like, a, well, what do you want in a handset? You know, the, the Nokia 900 is designed for America. Uh, I, I think that's fair. The, the 800 was designed for Europe. You know, th they've started off at the same sort of genetic baseline, which is, you know, whatever compile stuck into the Petri dish. Uh, and, and then they've taken that and said, right, well, well, Europe prefers this. We need to do that. And America needs this. Uh, you know, I did see some comments saying that, oh, the 900 is everything that was wrong with the 800 fixed. Well, I says, well, no, because, you know, production schedules and design time, they just wouldn't have the time to do that iterative process. Uh, what they've done is they've went, and, you know, that just basically says the American market is different. It expects different things in phones. 
and it has them now. So I think, you know, pe- people can take the perception that, oh, Nokia fixed the 800 for the American market. Great. Okay, fine. Run with that. We're quite happy with that because you're obviously writing about the phone. We want to get Windows Phone's market share up and that needs mind share and so on and so on. But in actual fact, what they've done is they've said, this is what Market X needs. And we're, I think we're going to see that as the Lumia range continues. We're going to see, you know, you know, the 710 was targeted towards places like Russia and Armenia before the 800 one, which was targeted into Central Europe. And when we they head over into India, when they head into China, I think we're going to see subtle differences in all the handsets as well. The fact that people want a 900 in Europe, you know, it's, well, that's because people want individuality in their phones as well. Um, but also, I think it's also to do with the media. You know, Nokia, basically with the 900, they've said, you know what, we're listening to you. You know, let's have the two-way conversation, which, after all, it's what a mobile phone, uh, the bottom of it, is all about. Absolutely. And it certainly ties in with Nokia's message of having a rolling series of releases of devices. And indeed, there were uh, hints and talk about what Nokia would be doing with other operators in the US. I think that was probably one of the disappointments for some people. It was just on a, a single operator. But, uh, you know, Chris Webb in the interview sort of talked about how Nokia would be creating products uh for each operator, or well, that's what they wanted to do. You know, so that's the obvious strategy. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something along the lines of that for Verizon or Sprint. I mean, Nokia have already said they're going to be producing uh, CDMA handsets and then TDSC as CDMA handsets for China. So I'm sure we'll see those uh, subsequently. But the thing that struck me most uh, about the media coverage, you know, someone who's, who's followed Nokia for quite a while, was it was a lot more interest a lot more excitement just a lot more buzz around this uh, and i think it's a, a fine handset but i think some of the stuff that nokia's produced in the in the past has been you know, just as technically good in many ways but this seemed to just hit the sweet spot and you know grab the attention and that can often be the the difference between success and failure and maybe that's what nokia needs to sort of be able to get back into the u.s market and be successful there um you know i was in somewhat somewhat ways taken by surprise by just how much interest and noise there was around this Lumia 900 having you know been at the launch of the Lumia 800 and considered you know it, it's not a variant handset because it's obviously it's a lot more than that and there are big internal differences um but for me the Lumia 800 was what marked, marked the race but it, in the US market you know they're more interested in what handsets for them and that of course does reflect the Lumia 800 is only just becoming available in the US and then it's not going to be on an operator it's going to be through Microsoft stores and through Amazon um, and, and things like that just one other thing I wanted to pick up on about the Lumia 800 was the the software bundle and this ties in again with what Nokia uh, Nokia said about targeting to each market and Ian was saying you know target and the differentiation as well um, obviously we've got Nokia Drive as in the other Lumia handsets, there's no Nokia music, presumably because of the licensing problems with music. Uh, but a lot more emphasis was given to ESPN Sports Hub. That was mentioned at, at Nokia World and you know, the ability to pin things to the home screen, keep up with your favorite teams and all of that. But there are a couple of new applications that were mentioned as well, one of which was the CNN app, uh, being able to get the latest news and videos from around the world and also allow submission to the kind of the user-generated news of CNN. That's the iReport function. We now know that's going to have a 90-day exclusivity period with uh, Nokia. But the one that caught my eye most of all, actually, was the Univision app. And this is exclusive to Nokia users in the US for 18 months. That's a pretty long exclusivity period. And this delivers Spanish-language content and experience of news, video, uh, cultural information, all sorts. It's you know actually quite a complex application. 
Uh, and that, I think, could be a, a significant selling point. Uh, and I expect to see a lot more of that kind of locally relevant content uh, come in in subsequent announcements, some of which we'll hear about you know, on the big stages, but a lot of which we won't necessarily hear about because it will be uh, promoted in local marketing campaigns within a specific country or when people see it when they go into the shop. And I, I suspect that locally relevant content could be one of the most important differentiating factors when it actually comes to consumers deciding what to buy in a shop. Okay, right. Let's wrap up CS at this point. I'm going to go around the panel here. We're going to ask them for their one Windows Phone highlight from CES, and it has to be one sentence only. Okay, so Rafe, I don't want you pulling a John Rawlings on this one. We'll leave you till the end, so you've got time to uh, compose the words. David, let's start with you. One one sentence highlight from Windows Phone and CES. It would have to be the Lumia 900 winning five awards. Steve. That was a short sentence, wasn't it, David? Mine would have to be Ben the PC guy in a high-profile little series of uh, testing Windows Phone against a... Uh, you generally use Android phones, for example, in a speed test. And basically, if they won, they won $100. If they lost, they had to say, I've been smoked by Windows Phone and many were. And of course, if they did say that, they also got to walk away with a Samsung Focus Flash handset as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think quite a few people might have, uh, you know, lost deliberately there. But anyway, um, <laughs> my sentence picks up on that one, which is Microsoft's overall message marketing has been wonderful coming out of CES. It's big place. It's lots going on to, to get the, the coverage that they got. I think there's going to be a lot of people going job well done. Let's keep this up in the press department uh, for the rest of the year. Rafe? Having had mine two stone, I will have to move on to Nokia Public Transport, an application that does uh, navigation and routing door-to-door using public transport. That's in beta, should be available in Marketplace in the next few months. Okay, so we're going to come up to the end of the podcast. As always, uh, it's our application picks of the week. It's going to have to be a lightning fast one again here, guys, just so we get the clocks in. But what has been catching our attention on our personal handsets uh, in the last seven days? What have we been going back to and referring? What's been calling us back to the capacitive touchscreens in our pocket. Rafe, you can go first so nobody steals your application. How about that as a deal? Oh, great. My application is OS Grid References, and this is an app that gives you the OSGB grid reference so that when you're out walking with a paper map, you can actually locate where you are in it in case you get lost. There are some apps that also do uh, digital maps, but if you're using it in combination with a paper map, which is still easier to use when you're walking probably, uh, this is a must-have application. And of course, it doesn't run out of battery charge and you can fold it and you can put it in your pocket and it's always there for you. And if you need to start a fire, you can do because I've yet to see one of these handsets go on fire. Uh, let's go back in reverse order on that one. Steve, what do we have from your application of the week? Mine is an app for lazy darts players. Yes, I know you may think that most darts players are lazy, but that would be entirely a misnomer because a lot of them are quite fit and it is a sport, apparently. Anyway, um, score darts, which is freeware, um, basically lets you just tap in the darts you've just hit, like double 16, 15, 13, treble 11, and it basically adds them all up and knocks them off your score. So basically you don't have to do all that mental arithmetic every time you step up the hockey. Now, personally, I think that all that mental arithmetic is good for the old brain cells, but for anyone who thinks it's too much like hard work, Score Darts is free and works absolutely beautifully. It even suggests checkouts. So when you get to 131, you think, oh, yes, it'll tell you exactly what you need to hit to get that vital checkout. Very good. Score Darts in the Windows Phone market. And Phil Taylor, if you're listening, you've got tons of time to practice with that application. Now, why did you go out in the first round? I don't know. Uh, David, what do we have from yourself? TV Picks, which is spelled T-V-P-Y-X. This was an application which I originally reviewed on Symbian. It's been reviewed on, it's now been released on Windows Phone 7. And it gives you TV listings for all of the UK TV providers. So that's cable, satellite, and Freeview. It's um, 
of it has some novel so Twitter integration. You can look up what people are saying about the program on, on Twitter. So you, you just tap through to the schedules and tap into a program, tap the Twitter button, and then you can see conversations about it, which is great for joining in the weekly BBC Question Time conversations. And also you can tweet about a program and it'll automatically have a relevant hashtag attached to it. So look up TV picks in the Windows Phone Marketplace. So there we go. Nobody's stolen mine. Yay. Um, and I'm going to go with APICT, A-P-I-C-T. Um, as always, the links uh, to the marketplace and for all these applications are back on our website, allaboutwindowsphone.com, so you don't need to be scrolling and writing them down uh, just now. This is a photo filter. It takes any photo that you, you've taken already or you can take it from inside the application. It m- turns it around, mongs it around a little bit, and you have a Polaroid-style instant picture that you can share up to Twitter, to Facebook, and Flickr as well. It's uh, I, I want to highlight it for two reasons. One, it's very good at what it does at a good price, which is 79p in the UK market. But also, as pointed out in the comments, its trial system is wonderful. You can take the picture, you can manipulate it. When you come to either save it or upload it, that's the point where the application goes, do you know what, mate? Why don't you buy this and I'll let you do that? Uh, and I just think it's a lovely application. It's well thought out. The user interface is just about there. And it also, when it comes to monetizing itself, does it very, very well. Links to all of those, as we said, they're back on the website, as are all the flows, which is our list of news that we've been enjoying throughout the world of the web, um, our news and reviews as well. You'll find all of that all about windowsphone.com or AA underscore WP on Twitter and the usual places in Facebook, Hurdle Pile, MySpace and the like. All that remains for me to say thank you uh, to my co-host, panellists, stars of the podcast, whatever they're calling themselves in 2012, David Gilson. Thank you, Ruin, and talk to everyone next week. Uh, Steve Litchfield. I'm a star of the podcast. Thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, and Rafe Blanford. Thanks to everyone for listening. And there we go. I'm Ewan Spence. We nearly got all the way through the podcast without mentioning Tim Tebow. Oh!